Welcome to Positive Living, the program that brings you practical and inspiring principles for living more authentic, engaging, and passionate lives. Created by Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this program are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now, with Positive Living, here's Patricia Raskin. Well, welcome, and hello. Welcome to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin. I'm always happy to be part of Voice America because Voice America believes that information is power, the Internet is the future, and the future is now, and so do I, and that's why my program is here. Positive Living brings you practical solutions and positive principles to help you live empowered, happy, and successful lives. You can call us on Mondays. We're here live, 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, at 888-335-5204. My guest is someone who has been on other shows, actually, right here on voiceamerica.com. He's been on the Gary Knowles Show frequently and has a lot to say about living not just in a healthy way but in an environmentally conscious way. My guest is Jim Matavalli, and he is the editor of Green Living uh, and actually Green Living Magazine. It's called E-Magazine, and the name of the book is Green Living, the E-Magazine Handbook for Living Lightly on the Earth. Welcome, Jim. Great to be on. Okay, and let's make sure, did I, did I um, direct you or did I introduce you correctly? Yes, as All the right. editor of E, the environmental magazine, and also of Green Living, the e-magazine handbook for living lightly on the earth, right. which has just been published by Plume. Okay. Now, you know, there's a lot we can talk about in terms of how to live uh, lightly or how to live consciously, but I'd like to get a little bit personal that since this show is Positive Living, and I'd like to talk first about food, because all of us are very interested in food. And we hear a lot about eating green. We hear a lot about eating organic. We hear a lot about eating without pesticides. Why don't you tell us what we really need to know? Well, I think people are generally under the assumption that it's real difficult and expensive to eat organic food or, or a locally grown food that Fast food is uh, not only fast, but it's also cheap, and uh, you get a great deal, and many people do eat that way. But um, I think some people's thinking on this issue is somewhat outmoded mm-hmm. because the cost of uh, eating naturally has come down quite a bit, and I think you'll find natural foods now in most major supermarket chains. For instance, they'll have veggie burgers and mm-hmm. organic milk and cage-free eggs, and all that kind of stuff. And because it's available through these large supermarket chains, it's cheaper. It's a lot cheaper. And we also have organic and natural food chains like Whole Foods, Wild Oats, right. Trader Joe's, and some of them are just dedicated to. But what about uh, organic? I mean, there is a difference between natural and organic. And isn't organic a lot more expensive? Well, I would say that was traditionally been the case. It's not so much true anymore. Uh, we now have national organic standards so that if something says organic on it, you can trust that it actually is because they would be breaking the law if they said it was and it wasn't. All right, so why don't you define what that means? If I buy organic, because I've had a lot of people say to me, oh, that's a bunch of hogwash. I can get the same thing. Why do I need organic? So explain why that's really better for you. Well, organic simply means that no uh, artificial pesticides have been sprayed on it. And we've... Uh, we note in the book many different studies that show the kind of chemicals they use on uh, produce generally does have a pretty serious effect 
on on people and on on their health and on their long term outlook. I mean, you can look at the lists of chemicals, and we list them in the book, things that are sprayed, and what the likely health effects from them are. And uh, one very good reason that some people have switched to organics is because of the specter of genetically engineered food. In the U.S., we do not have any labeling for GE food. Mm -hmm. Therefore, even though something like uh, 6 out of 10 products on the shelf are genetically engineered, you have no way of knowing that when you buy the product. Only in Europe is this uh, really taken seriously. And I think we're way behind Europe in being uh, caught up on the dangers of genetic engineering. Mm -hmm. People ask me if I think it's unsafe to eat GE foods. I think that would be going a little uh, far. With me, the concern about GE is more to do with it getting into the environment and uh, affecting uh, un- unmodified substances. All right, explain when you say genetically engineered, what does that mean exactly for listeners? Well, you fool around with the DNA of the plant. You uh, mm-hmm. cross it with other things. You can you can introduce, for instance, genes from uh, a, a tomato plant or a potato into salmon, for instance, and they do this kind of thing to make them grow faster, to have more meat on them, um, to grow bigger, I mean, in the case of some some produce. Mm. And they do all this kind of thing, and uh, we use the case of salmon as an example. Genetically engineered salmon are raised in pens in the ocean, and these pens are uh, not exactly free from uh, damage. They're not impregnable. What happens is they break open or they're torn open by seals or other mm-hmm. uh, other factors, and genetically engineered uh, salmon escape and can breed with the wild population. Therefore, the wild population now has all this genetic engineering introduced mm. into it. So That's it's not pure is what you're saying. Not pure, right? Yes, and yeah. even with when you're growing crops, just organic crops, it's very difficult to ensure that you're farm is organic if it's next to a farm that uses a lot of pesticides mm-hmm. because of pesticide drift. Mm-hmm. And um, all these things make me somebody who's a pretty much a true believer in avoiding genetic engineering, mm-hmm. even though I don't think it, it's it's not like some poison that's going to make food uneatable and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It does make a difference. Let's talk about vitamins. That's very confusing for people. I mean, you know, I mean... Do you buy the drugstore brand? Do you buy the, the brand that's been made by the small company that has the seal on it? How do we know what is a good vitamin, Jim? I'm not an expert on vitamins. I would say in that area that I think people should really minimize the number of supplements. And uh, I think in many cases taking vitamins in that form, in pill form, doesn't do you the, give you the kind of benefits that you might expect. People read that, for instance, uh, you need a certain amount of vitamin A, but Taking it in pill form does not necessarily give you the same benefits as having it in food. Mm-hmm. I, I personally, right, I'm always amazed when I see so-called health food stores that are nothing but rows of pill bottles, and there, <laughs> that, there, that is not something I endorse. But there are a lot of people that don't eat enough of the food to give them the vitamin that they would need. Well, I'm just saying that I don't think vitamins are a substitute for a healthy diet. Can I just mention something that I think sure. is important? That um, there are codes. If, if you're buying organic fruit and vegetables, 
mm-hmm. you'll see some inscrutable numbers on the little sticker that's on the product. Yes. That those codes actually have a meaning. Uh, if the code starts with a number nine, that means it's organic. If it was conventionally grown, it starts with a four, and if it begins with an eight, it was genetically engineered. Mm-hmm. So that's the only way you there's not that much gen, genetically engineered produce yet, but that eight in the beginning of the code is sort of a giveaway about that. And if it is not genetically engineered, it would be a four or? Four is conventionally grown. Nine is organic. Okay. It's called a PLU code. Okay. That's good information. All right. We're coming up on a break. Um, I do want to give out a little more information about the magazine and about your book and how people can get it. And I think what we'll do when we come back is I'd like to talk, since, again, this is positive living, I want to get a little more personal and talk about personal care, you know, pampering your body, shampoo, green products, um, just some of the other things besides food that we are using. And then, of course, one topic that I really want to cover is recycling and how important that is because I think sure. that's, that's an important one too. All right, let's talk a little bit about how people can get the book, Green Living, the e-magazine handbook for living lightly on the earth, and just tell us a little bit about the, that and the magazine as well. Well, uh, in either case, if you're interested in reading the magazine or getting the book, you can go to our website at www.emagazine.com, mm-hmm. and you can order the book, and you can also get a trial subscription, one free copy of the magazine. And we'd be glad to send that to you. And you can also read a lot of E's content online, again, at www.emagazine.com. And we're selling the book at a discount. I think we should probably do an infomercial. What do you think? Go ahead. We have a few (laughs) seconds left. No, I'm just saying that um, I was just reading about this book called Natural Cures. That's a huge bestseller, Mm -hmm. largely because of an infomercial. We haven't uh, stooped to that kind of tactic, but... Well, <laughs> I think it depends depends upon how it's done. Now, if a person has a question, they read your book or they read your magazine, and they're not sure about something, can they write to the editors and ask that question? Oh, sure. They can just, um, you can send things to info, I-N-F-O, at e-magazine, which is all one word, mm-hmm. dot com. Okay. And uh, we actually have a column uh, in which we answer readers' questions. Good. And that's actually, that's now being... Uh, Distributed to 500 newspapers. Mm, wonderful. All right, we're going to take a break. My guest is Jim Montevalli, and he is the editor of Green Living, the new book put out by E-Magazine, the E-Magazine Handbook for Living Lightly on the Earth, and also the editor of E-Magazine, which is an environmental magazine. So, folks, you're listening to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin. You can call us after the break at 888-335-5204. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. For an autographed copy of Patricia's new book, Pathfinding, Seven Principles for Positive Living, log on to RaskinResources.com. Information you need, when you need it. VoiceAmerica.com This is Dr. Pat Basile, and I am America's Voice. VoiceAmerica.com The defendant, having been found guilty, is sentenced to a term of five years imprisonment. Defendant will be remanded to custody immediately. On June 4th, my big brother was sentenced to five years in prison for a gun crime. That day, he sentenced me to five years of walking home alone from school. When you commit a gun crime, your family pays the price. Gun crimes hit home. A public service announcement brought to you by Project Safe Neighborhoods and the Ad Council. 
Tune in every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time to Voice America for Global Security with Victor Plesner. Global Security is the show that covers international security issues for all walks of life since 9-11 and what the future may present to keep our world safe. You will hear from leaders of global security companies as well as authors of books on law enforcement and terrorism. So join us Fridays at 8 a.m. for Global Security with Victor Plesner right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Continuing to be the authority in Internet Talk Radio, you're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Hi, everyone. We are back. You are listening to Positive Living, and I'm Patricia Raskin. As I say, we are always here on VoiceAmerica.com, America's Voice. On Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, you can log on to voiceamerica.com and hear this program and many others throughout the week. They also have Business America Radio and Health, uh, Health Voice America as well, three different networks. You can call this program on Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern, as I said, 11 a.m. Pacific at 888-335-5204. You can also hear the archive shows that are on my site, raskinresources.com and get a copy of my book, Pathfinding, Seven Principles for Positive Living. Today we are talking about being environmentally conscious and aware and positive in our life, but in, in the actions that we take. My guest is Jim Matavalli. He's the editor of E-Magazine and lead editor of Green Living, and we'll discuss his new book, or the new book, Green Living, the E-Magazine Handbook for Living Lightly on the Earth. So welcome back, Jim. Great okay. to be here. Thank you. And if people want to know more, they can log on to emagazine.com. That's right. All right. Um, before we get to some of the things like recycling and things about fuel, that's quite a hot topic since our gas is going up, I want to talk a little bit more about some of the personal products. And I'm talking about now um, pampering. And what I mean by that is shampoos, um, soaps. Uh, those kinds of things that you see in health food stores and and you see a lot of natural products and then people wonder, well, why do I have to buy my soap and my shampoo? Why don't I just buy it in a, you know, in a grocery store or a drugstore? Talk about that. Well, a good thing is now you can get the natural products in grocery stores. Uh, mm-hmm. For instance, my yeah. local grocery store just down the street, I can buy toothpaste from Tom's of Maine. Mm-hmm. And let me just mention another product that same company makes, which I find very interesting one. It's a natural deodorant, and if you look at it, it says contains no aluminum. And I'm sure most people don't know why they don't want aluminum <laughs> in their deodorant. What's the problem with that? Well, um, some of us may like heavy metal music, but I'm not sure we want metal in our bodies. Yeah, yeah. And this is especially a problem for women who shave under their armpits because the metal in uh, the deodorant can leach into your body through those little cuts that are generated by your razor. Mm. So that's a reason to uh, try to avoid aluminum in your deodorant, and that's why natural product companies make aluminum-free deodorant. I mean, we all want to uh, smell nice and look nice, but we don't want to die for beauty, I hope. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> well, and I have been using Tom's deodorant for a long time. I think it's wonderful. And I can say simple. there's a bunch of different... Uh, yeah compounds in, uh, in say, shampoos and cosmetics and hair dyes that have been identified as uh, carcinogenic. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying you're not going to get 
uh, cancer just from using a particular brand of shampoo, but I'm saying that they do contain these uh, substances that do cause cancer. For instance, mm-hmm. coal tar colors have been found to cause cancer in animals. Mm. And well, formaldehyde, about- believe it or not, is used quite frequently in nail polish, nail hardeners, mm. and in shampoos. I was going to ask you um, about shampoos and also about hair dyes. You know, coloring your hair. I think uh, there's been quite a, there's quite a lot of um, problems with coloring your hair. We have a whole section in the book called "Bad Hair Day, <laughs> Bad Hair Days" that mm-hmm. talks about the dangers in hair coloring formulas. And the short-term consequences include allergic reactions, eczema, asthma, and sun sensitivity. Mm-hmm. But then there's longer-term uh, consequences. Mm-hmm. And, uh, again, I'm not saying you're going to get cancer just because you color your hair. Right. I'm just saying that there are um, substances in them that I don't even want to begin to pronounce yeah. that have been found to cause cancer in animals and humans. Um, I'm diverting a little bit, but I'm just thinking cause it's something I have, and not everybody, this is touted a lot, Air purifiers, the ionizers, the ones that you sit right on your counter and they supposedly suck up the bad materials in the air. What's I really about don't. That? I don't believe in that kind of thing myself. Because? I think people should realize the air quality inside their houses is so more or less subpar. It's uh, four to five times worse than outdoor air. If you live in an area um, where there's bad outdoor air quality, they tend to tell you. Don't go outside uh, because the air quality is bad today. But the air quality in your house is actually worse than the than the uh, outdoor air. So uh, mm-hmm. I don't think you're really solving the problem by staying in, indoors in a lot of ways. And this has to do with the off-gassing from uh, the carpet and the furniture in our house. There's all kinds of toxic glues and substances used in making furniture and carpeting and uh, even wallpaper and things like that. And these things give off the gas. It's very similar to what they call new car smell, mm-hmm. which I think is is equally dangerous. And there are, in every case, there are natural alternatives to conventional furniture or carpeting, or um, even some cars that are very car manufacturers that are very aware of this new car smell problem and tend to down downgrade the use of artificial uh, materials in building the cars. Volvo, for instance, has a nose team <laughs> that mm. evaluates all the materials in the car for sensitivity. Mm. All right. Well, while we're, while we're on the, the last word you just said, which was car and sensitivity, <laughs> today's cars, we're very sensitive about the gas. We'll go to the other things in a minute. I'm digressing. But you, re, you really need to address what we're going to do with this problem. I mean, gas is up to 265 and 270 a gallon. Well, I think... The pain that's being caused by high gas prices is being reflected in the declining sales of large SUVs. Sales of the biggest uh, road barge SUVs are down like 20% percent mm. uh, from last year, and that's hardly surprising. That's why, to me, Detroit's strategy, which is to to build bigger and bigger cars and uh, try to persuade the federal government not to regulate them in any way, particularly with regards fuel economy, is to me a very counterproductive and self-defeating approach to the problem because the car markets, uh, the car makers are just going to price themselves out of the market. Right now it would cost you about $132 to fill up a Ford Excursion. 
Okay, yeah. but how how do you know that's really true? How do you know that because well, it's got a forty-four down, gallon tank? No, I don't mean that. I mean, <laughs> it, 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 you know, what I mean is that even though the sales of SUVs are down, how do we know that's directly affecting high gas prices? How do we know that for sure? Well, I think you can get testimonials from a lot of people who own these big rigs, and they're saying they don't take them on vacation because of how expensive the gas is, and. When you look at it, you can buy a vehicle that is four times more fuel efficient than that large SUV. Mm-hmm. And I think people are voting with their pocketbooks. If you look at, say, the Toyota Prius, which, at least on paper, gets 60 miles per gallon, and when I say four times, I mean that there are many, many SUVs that get 15 miles per gallon, so four times that is 60. Um, there's long waiting lines of three or four months to get a Toyota Prius. Mm. You can walk into any dealer and buy any large SUV you want, and you're going to get subsidized with all kinds of rebates and uh, no-interest loans. Mm. And that, this, to me, is in, indicative of where the marketplace is moving. There's no clearer indication than sales figures. Okay. If you look at the Prius, just take the Prius. It's been selling at a rate of 10000 per month. That's more cars than Volvo sells in a month. And Volvo sells a lot of cars. <laughs> yeah, so. but not that many. Okay, but I guess the question is, then how do we, if the consumer then is doing that to save money on gas and gas is going up, what can the consumer do to bring gas prices down? There's very little the consumer can do that will affect gas prices. There's not even very much the president can do. There's not even very much that the uh, heads of the OPEC countries can do if you accept the view, which I, I certainly do, that we're reaching the peak of oil production, which means that we can't really increase oil production. The traditional way that Saudi Arabia, for example, would influence the oil markets would be to rise, uh, bring up their production. Right now they're producing uh, between 10 and 12 million barrels of oil a day. They could ramp that up to 15 million, and that would bring prices down because there would be a glut of oil. They can't do that because, at least according to some analyses, they don't have that much oil to be able to ramp it up to that. Therefore, nobody can do very much. The president has very limited tools at his disposal. For instance, releasing oil from the strategic oil reserve, which I just heard today that Bush is going to do. That will not affect either even short-term oil prices. Okay, so what about other kinds of fuel in the future? The main thing people can do is try to conserve fuel, not drive as much, and also to drive more fuel-efficient cars. Those are the main thing people can do. What about the future of different kinds of products rather than oil, or the gasoline as we know it, in terms of running our automobiles? Well, I've written quite a bit about alternatives to oil, and the main contender, most people would probably agree, is hydrogen. And we have a number of major obstacles to getting hydrogen cars on the road, I was just driving the latest Honda fuel cell car, known as the FCX, and it's really, really impressive. It goes about 200 miles on a tank of hydrogen. It's probably the quietest car I ever drove, mm. and um, really it performed flawlessly. But the problem is there's no distribution network for hydrogen in the United States right now. There's maybe 20 hydrogen stations around the country. How far away are we from that, do you think, Jim? At least 20 years, unfortunately. Really? Well, it depends on, uh, I would say before 20 years, we'll 
maybe uh, be starting to build that network. But until we have something that's similar to the 180,000 gas stations we have in America, uh, I think Why is that? Why will it take that long? Because right now the costs are way too high. The cost of building the car, the cost of fueling it up, the cost of building the infrastructure, mm-hmm. all of this is way more than uh, for gasoline cars. You have to keep in mind that our gasoline infrastructure is a mature technology and gasoline-powered cars are a mature technology. Mm-hmm. We've been refining them for more than 100 years. We've really just started working with hydrogen. So to get the cost down and to make it affordable, um, it's still, uh, from where I sit and what I've been able to see, and I see most of the material on this, we're still at least 10 years and probably 20. Mm. So um, there's some analysts going uh, talking about the sky falling at this point because we really have no great alternative to oil. Now, there are also biofuels. You can make uh, you can make fuel out of corn, for instance, and the energy bill that was just passed includes a number of subsidies for ethanol, which is mm-hmm. a corn-based fuel. I think ethanol is a boondoggle and a waste of money, and I don't think mm-hmm. it's ever going to be a mainstream fuel. We also have biodiesel, which a lot of people are getting very excited about, and you can convert your diesel car to run on biodiesel very easily, mm-hmm. and a lot of people are uh, working on that. All I right. think that's a great technology, but I'm not sure it's you can scale that up into a, a, a replacement for so oil. So we're a little bit away from a replacement from gasoline. Yeah, unfortunately, is what you're saying. We are. Okay. All right, we're going to take a break. My guest is Jim Montevalli, and he is the edit, lead editor of Green Living, which is a new book put out by E Magazine, and it's called Green Living: The E Magazine Handbook for Living Lightly on the Earth. And he is also the editor of E Magazine. For further information, log on to eMagazine.com. You're listening to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin. There's plenty more. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. For an autographed copy of Patricia's new book, Pathfinding, Seven Principles for Positive Living, log on to RaskinResources.com. Cutting edge, challenging, stimulating. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Go beyond success and discover a deeper meaning to life. Join host Jeffrey Gitterman and his guests, the premier thought leaders in business, politics, science, spirituality, and culture, who have reached the pinnacle of financial and professional attainment in their fields, only to discover a profound lack of fulfillment with what our culture defines as success. So won't you tune in every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time to Jeffrey Getterman and Beyond Success, redefining the meaning of prosperity, right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Hi, I'm Jennifer Lewis, and you're listening to voiceamerica.com. The defendant, having been found guilty, is sentenced to a term of five years imprisonment. Defendant will be remanded to custody immediately. On June 4th, my big brother was sentenced to five years in prison for a gun crime. That day, he sentenced me to five years of walking home alone from school. When you commit a gun crime, your family pays the price. Gun crimes hit home. A public service announcement brought to you by Project Safe Neighborhoods and the Ad Council. Bringing the world together. You're listening to America's Voice. VoiceAmerica.com. 
When tax time comes, are you the person that goes to your accountant with a shoebox literally full of receipts? Stop wasting your accountant's time as well as your own by organizing your finances with the help of Joe Dunphy and Poor Richard Shoebox. Heard live every Monday at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, Poor Richard Shoebox will let you know what you can do to organize for tax time as well as how to get the most out of your retirement. So get all of your receipts together and tune in to Poor Richard Shoebox with Joe Dunphy every Monday at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on the Voice America Radio Network. Tune in every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time to Voice America for Global Security with Victor Plesner. Global Security is the show that covers international security issues for all walks of life since 9-11 and what the future may present to keep our world safe. You will hear from leaders of global security companies as well as authors of books on law enforcement and terrorism. So join us Fridays at 8 a.m. for Global Security with Victor Plesner right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Continuing to be the authority in Internet Talk Radio, you're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Hi, everyone. We are back, and we're listening to Positive Living, and I'm Patricia Raskin. And as I always say, Positive Living brings you practical solutions and positive principles to help you live happy, empowered, and successful lives. We are here on Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, and we broadcast on Saturdays at 3 p.m. Eastern and noon Pacific. And you can call us at 888-335-5204 if you're listening on Mondays. My guest today, we're talking about being environmentally conscious and positive, not just in who we are, but in the choices that we make in the environment. My guest is Jim Montevalli. He is the editor of E-Magazine and lead editor of Green Living, which is this new book, Green Living, the E-Magazine handbook for living lightly on the earth. Welcome back, Jim. Great to be on. Okay. And your website for the magazine is emagazine.com. There's a column. People can write in and ask questions. You said they go to info at emagazine.com. Yeah. Right? Okay. All right. There's so much to talk about. I mean, you could do four shows on this because there's so much in this wonderful book, and I really suggest this to everybody, to log on and get this book, which is called Green Living. It talks about everything from your home to personal care products, to your sellers and your addicts, to investing, to recycling, to pets, to everything. Now, I want to talk about pets. Since next to people, they seem to be raining next. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about pets in terms of healthy food, chemically-free collars, and organic bedding. Well, let me just first say that people should be aware of um, the sort of holocaust that happens every year with pets because 8 to 12 million of them go to shelters every year, and mm. only 25 to 35 percent find homes. So it's, mm. it's, I think getting your pets spayed and neutered is pretty much the number one order of business. And anyone who tells you that um, a, a pet won't live a happy life if it's been spayed or neutered, that just all the research shows that to be nonsense. So now that you've made your pet healthy and happy by getting it spayed, you can look into all different areas of uh, its Existence, and I think food is a really key one. And I, I tend to gross people out when I talk to them about take a look at the uh, can of food and look at the ingredients and see if it lists something called meat byproducts. And I'm sure you haven't thought about what's in that, but it's um, there. It's sort of a euphemism for uh, all kinds of things that these producers put in. Again, their their aim is to make the food as cheaply as possible. 
And uh, this can include uh, dead, dying, or diseased animals of all different kinds. And uh, it can actually include hair, dehydrated garbage, unborn carcasses, all kinds of different things. And even some of those pets that were uh, killed at the animal shelters can also be rendered and used in pet food, and they, they definitely are. So I, I think people should be aware of that, and it's a reason to look at the label. And it's also a reason to buy natural pet foods, and I try to do that as much as possible, and to look at the labels and to know what's in there. Right. What about organic bedding and chemically-free collars? Well, I, I have read that, um, and we certainly put in the book, that those, those flea collars that people put on are not effective flea remedies, and they contain very harsh chemicals that can uh, affect your pet's health. It, the, uh, the, the chemicals tend to be metabolized by the pet and not really effective in spreading around the pet's body to kill fleas. So that is not a recommended technique. And I think you need to be careful in using uh, very noxious chemicals around your pet. Okay. So that... I, just, I can cite uh, the Natural Resources Defense Council, which says to avoid... Um, some of the chemicals that are used to uh, kill fleas and ticks, that they can cause serious health problems, both for your pet and for you. Mm-hmm. And you can I could just mention some of the ingredients. Again, you have to read the label, and you're going to see all these chemical names, and it probably won't mean much, but um, chloropyrifos, dichlorvos, phosmet, naled, diazenon, malathion, all these are used in... Uh, uh, flea and tick products. You have to be very careful. And yes. really, actually use natural or organic. If you can find that. I think um, in many ways, to getting rid of fleas and ticks is sort of a prevention type thing. And you need to um, bathe your pet if that's possible. <laughs> they don't like it. They, you should also try to wash their bedding. You should, And this is the way we do it. So uh, you want to know how... We get personal with this particular problem is we use a flea comb, which is a comb with very fine bristles, mm-hmm. and it screens out fleas very well, and it doesn't use any chemicals. And actually, they really like being uh, brushed with this thing. My 8- uh, and 11-year-old daughters do this, and they like it. The pet likes it and uh, works very well. Okay, a little more work, but, yeah. but that's... Yeah, like, definitely. I, people always want, like, one-step solutions, uh, but sometimes the one-step solution doesn't work. Mm-hmm. What about organic bedding? Are we carrying that too far? How important is that? Uh, this is an area where I probably would not necessarily get on board. Uh, I don't think that you necessarily need organic bedding for your pet. What about for yourself? I think it's good. I mean, you, you certainly don't want to have... Uh, I think the problem here, I think organic bedding is great. The problem is it's quite expensive. Um, even a set of sheets can be like $200. Mm-hmm. I think I, I've, I've used those sheets, and I find them really, really nice. Mm-hmm. And the same way, you know, people can't necessarily afford the highest thread count <laughs> on yeah, sheets. They might not be able to afford organic bedding either. Let's talk about that in terms of the fibers, the natural fibers. I mean, they're actually... Catalogs and magazines that just sell all natural fiber, all cotton products. Talk about that a little bit. Well, uh, if we were talking about uh, pet bedding or your own bedding, I think you're generally right. you're talking about cotton products. 
and cotton is the most intensely chemical sprayed, pesticide sprayed crop there is. 25% of all pesticides are used on cotton. And that's given rise to a new, uh, a new very successful form of organic cotton. And the other alternative, which is also very fast rising, not necessarily for bedding, but for clothing and all kinds of things, is hemp. Mm-hmm. It's sort of peculiar because hemp is illegal to grow in the United States because it's the same plant as marijuana. Mm-hmm. However, industrial hemp lacks the chemical known as THC, which is the active ingredient in marijuana. So you can't smoke organic hemp. But okay. nonetheless, it's... Uh, because it is a cousin to marijuana, it is illegal to grow in the U.S. since the 1930s. The upshot of that is that we import a large amount of organic hemp, which is perfectly legal. You can import it, you just can't grow it. Therefore, we bring in tons of organic hemp from Canada, for instance, and from uh, Asia as well. And that has led many farmers in the U.S., when they see the uh, windfall profits made by Canadian farmers, for instance, on organic cotton or hemp, they really want uh, just to be able to grow hemp in the U.S. And in some very conservative states, you see lobbying groups trying to legalize organic. Uh, so, what would you hemp. say about buying clothes that are more natural or with natural fibers, or buying cotton in general? What would be your advice? Well, I think in the early days of organic cotton products, or hemp products or other natural fibers, they were sort of in an experimental phase. And many of the clothes, for instance, wouldn't fit right, or if it was washed, it would shrink a lot. And they tried uh, experimenting with natural color dyes, which were not always successful. Like, for instance, if you hung it out to dry on a line, all the color would fade. Mm -hmm. It was fine until it got exposed to sunlight. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That caused some early dissatisfaction, but I would say that the market is much more mature now. There's much better products on the market, and many mainstream clothing lines have gotten involved with organic cotton. In fact, there are now high-fashion companies that deal in organic cotton. For instance, uh, uh, Bono, the singer Bono from U2, he and his wife have a company that deals in organic cotton. Mm -hmm. Uh, My only criticism of them is that they're they're, say, cotton T-shirts are like $56, which I think is rather high. But uh, then there are other companies that make organic cotton T-shirts made in the USA, so there's no uh, sweatshop type there's of problem. There's one catalog that I know of, and I'm not trying to do a commercial, but I think they're excellent, called Gaim. Yeah, that's that's one of the new you, emerging uh, brands. It's G-A-I-M or G-I-A-M. I'm not sure of the pronunciation, but... Yeah, I believe there's, a, there's also a company called U.S. Apparel, Okay. That is the uh, maker of these very inexpensive organic cotton T-shirts oh, that are made in Los Angeles. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to take a break shortly. And before we do, what we're going to talk about in the next segment, because I'm passionate about this, is recycling. And how many people don't recycle. And often the ones who do it are conscientious, can't always find the right vehicles to recycle what they want to recycle. So I really want to talk about that when we come back. And want to mention again that uh, we are talking to Jim Montevalli. He's the editor of E-Magazine and lead editor of this new book, Green Living, the E-Magazine Handbook for Living Lightly on the Earth. 
We're talking about everything from, you know, planet-friendly cosmetics to just to straight talk about things that you can do and ways that you can live that are healthier, not just for you, but for the planet in general. And you can log on to emagazine.com, emagazine.com. Um, okay, we're going to take a break, and when we come back again, we're going to talk a lot more about recycling and what we can do, um, you know, to put things back on our planet that are going to help it, to put things on our earth that are going to help it. So you're listening to Positive Living. Remember, folks, that this program is always on Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, and we broadcast on Saturdays at 3 p.m. Eastern and noon Pacific. You can log on to my website, which is raskinresources.com, and you can listen to the archive shows on my site and get a copy of my book, Pathfinding, Seven Principles for Positive Living. I have a second radio show that's locally where I live that's been on the air about nine years, and it's also Positive Living with different guests. So just log on to raskinresources.com. You're listening to Positive Living. Stay tuned, folks. We'll be right back. For an autographed copy of Patricia's new book, Pathfinding, Seven Principles for Positive Living, log on to RaskinResources.com. Informative, educational, insightful. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Hello, this is Rory Garay, President of Greyhound Pets of America and host of Greyhounds Make Great Pets on Voice America. Join me every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific and 2 p.m. Eastern for an insightful and enjoyable talk about one of man's best friends, the Greyhound. Learn about the history of the Greyhound, discuss proper obedience and training techniques, and find out more about the Greyhound racing industry and what they are doing to help the adoption effort of the former race dogs. If you own a Greyhound or just love dogs like I do, join me for Greyhounds Make Great Pets every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Go beyond success and discover a deeper meaning to life. Join host Jeffrey Gitterman and his guests, the premier thought leaders in business, politics, science, spirituality, and culture, who have reached the pinnacle of financial and professional attainment in their fields, only to discover a profound lack of fulfillment with what our culture defines as success. So won't you tune in every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time to Jeffrey Gitterman and Beyond Success, redefining the meaning of prosperity, right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Connecting your world. The Internet's number one talk and information station. VoiceAmerica.com How can you have a better life on your terms? You can have a better life because you can become better. Stop waiting for everything around you to change. Tune in every Wednesday at 1 o'clock Pacific Standard Time on Voice America for Life on Your Terms with David Martin. David Martin, an internationally recognized speaker, will teach you what successful people are doing. So join us Wednesday at 1 o'clock Pacific Standard Time for Life on Your Terms with David Martin. Right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rack and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. 
the world leader in Internet Talk Radio. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Turkey. Hi, everyone. We are back. We're listening to Positive Living, and I'm Patricia Raskin. So time to call in 888-335-5204. My guest is Jim Matavali, editor of E-Magazine and lead editor of Green Living, the new book, Green Living, the E-Magazine Handbook for Living Lightly on the Earth. And you can log on to emagazine.com. If you have questions, you can email info at emagazine.com, and your questions will be answered. It may even show up in one of their columns in the magazine. Welcome back, Jim. Great to okay, be on. Okay, thank you. Let's talk about the subject that I'm passionate about, which is recycling. Um, where I live is a little more rural, and the standards aren't as strict as I think they could be, but I know so many people that really just, they just don't even, I don't even know if they know about it. They, everything goes into one big trash bin, and I really, um, I think it's important, but I'd like you to address recycling and also some of the things that I find I can't recycle, like videotapes, audio tapes, you know, things that are, that are hard and I know are going back in the earth and I don't know what to do about. But talk first about recycling. Well, recycling is, a, um, is probably the one thing that almost every American agrees on is, is a positive thing. I, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find people who say that recycling is bad. There was a notorious article in the New York Times um, called Recycling is Garbage by John Tierney in which he really? he basically said that it was a waste of time and uh, we have so much landfill space in the United States that we shouldn't bother with recycling. It takes up too much time and energy. Oh, when was that? Was that recent? No, it was probably about, uh, could have even been 10 years ago. Mm. But um, I think most people think see it as a virtue and something they do. I mean, 85% of Americans self-identify as environmentalists. And to many of them, that's what it means, taking out the recycling bin, uh, not throwing away as much stuff, and saving their newspapers and their, their tin right. cans and whatever. Right. Um, the problem is what we really need in the U.S. is universal bottle bills. We need every state to have a bill that gives uh, like a 5 or $0.10 cent deposit on bottles and cans. But we used to do that, didn't we? Well, we have only about 15 states that have bottle bills as a state. Uh, I, I assume we could actually enact federal legislation on that, but I don't think that's forthcoming. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we have is the beverage industry, uh, through lobbying arms like Keep America Beautiful, which is really an extension of the bottling industry, mm-hmm. what you have is very active lobbying against bottle bills. And it's been fairly effective in uh, keeping them out of most state legislatures. But in states that have bottle bills, the recycling rate is like 60 to 70% higher than in states that do not. Mm. Our recycling rate would go way up. Mm-hmm. Now, if, if you look at it, uh, the beverage industry will give you figures showing that we're recycling more than ever, which is true. Mm-hmm. The problem is that the volume of uh, waste that we're creating is also much greater. So as a percentage, the amount we're recycling is actually going down, particularly with uh, beverage containers. Do you think the laws are, are getting more lenient, or do you think they're stricter? I think uh, there's, in in most cases, uh, you know, there may, there may be 
fines for littering, but I don't think they're exactly imposed on too many people. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think people throwing out a beer can are worried about having to pay two hundred dollars fine for it. Dude, <laughs> I what, they what would. A, yeah, I know. I don't what think about, it's much of a deterrence. Um, what about just really bothers me is audio tapes and videotapes. I mean, there's no place. Where do you where do you put them? Well, as an example, this is a, a funny example, but when computers used the three and a half inch uh, discs, the great thing about those is they're reusable. Uh, you know, for instance, if AOL or some big service sends you some promotional disc, you could just erase it. This is not true of CDs. When you get uh, the same company sends you a CD, there's really nothing to do but throw it out. And that's basically true of DVDs and CDs. They're not really uh, recyclable, or there may be some specialized recycling. But what might, about the clunky uh, old videotapes? Uh, I don't box. think those are really recyclable. Either but you have to put them in again. It would still. require some very specialized recycling service because of the different kinds of plastic in there and the tape being of a different type. That's a big problem we have. If you say, for instance, if you look at recycling cars as an example, seventy percent or so of the cars is recycled now, which looks pretty good. But then there's all that material like the seats and the wiring and all this other stuff that doesn't get recycled. Well, in Europe, they've mandated that manufacturers go to like 85 90% recycling rates for the car, which has made them uh, come up with ways. I'm working on a New York Times story on this. Make them come up with ways of recycling that last bit of the car. Um, if we had laws mandating that uh, videotape, for instance, be recyclable, I'm sure the industry could actually address that by uh, using simpler materials, using more unified materials, mm-hmm labeling everything with the type of plastic that is used in it. The auto industry has really innovated to try to comply with that law, but they need to be legislated to do that. Otherwise, they won't. The same so thing there's a packaging. lot of things we still can't do, but what you're saying is whatever we can do does make a difference. Right. Another example of it is packaging. Because in Europe, they've been adopted very strict packaging laws where companies are responsible for recycling their packaging. It's a, it's a whole system called producer pays, which I think is a great way to approach it. If the producer wants to put tons of extraneous packaging on their products, then they should pay to recycle it. The whole idea of, that groups like Keep America Beautiful use is they say that uh, you know, stopping litter is your problem, but it shouldn't be your problem. It should be the company's problem to not create uh, stuff that's going to get thrown away. Mm-hmm. And that's the way they've approached it in Europe. And uh, you say you hate to see things not recycled. To me, the biggest insult to the environment is the uh, bottled water. Really? Bottled oh, I'm water. a big drinker of bottled water, Jim. Well, just think of this. If you go back 30 years, if you told people that you, you need to be drinking bottled water, they'd look at you like you were crazy. It would mean that the water in your tap was not safe to drink. Okay. But that's not true. The water in your tap is generally of higher quality than the water in those mm-hmm. bottles. So, and do you put the any water filters your on your more. Or what about putting filters on your water? Oh, I think that's tap. a good idea. I think you can put, uh, I have a carafe in my refrigerator, but you can also put filtering systems uh, on the, on the um, faucet itself. So you and think it's a waste of time to spend the money on the bottled water? Not only is it a waste of time and money, it's an incredible insult to the environment. This is why I talked about uh, why the waste stream has increased 
so much. Bottled water is a major contributor to an increase in waste stream. Mm. And look at any roadside, you're going to see bottled water all over the place. That was a, a category of waste that didn't even exist 30 years ago. And I think the genius of the American beverage and bottling industry is it's convinced people, A, to keep cola and, and uh, carbonated drinks in their refrigerator, and then to put bottled water next to it. Both of those products have no reason for existence, if you ask me. You mean the bottles, the bottled sodas, too? Oh, definitely. Yeah. If you look at the childhood obesity epidemic in America, you can point right at those sodas as yeah. being yeah. responsible. Yeah, not to talk about all of the chemicals that are that are in the sodas that hurt the teeth. That's a whole other subject <laughs> that I just talked about with, with the dentist yeah, well, on my program. There's a cavity epidemic, too. Yeah, yeah. All right, we're coming to close, So, and there's just so much. So if people get one thing out of this program today on green living, what would you like them to get? I'd like them to get, for one thing, that environmental and green changes that you can make in your life will not necessarily cost you an exorbitant amount of money. Mm -hmm. Because of chains that we're talking about, the uh, health food chains, you can now eat organically at much reduced prices. It's not going to cost you a whole lot. And many of the things we've been talking about will actually save you money. As an example, the hybrid cars we're talking about will save you money. Replacing your light bulbs with compact fluorescent bulbs will definitely save you money. Mm -hmm. And in many cases, those bulbs are now subsidized by your utility company. I would advise people to check with their utilities on that. Okay. All right. Hold on. Hold on, please. Thank you so much, Jim, for coming on the program. Um, I've, I've really enjoyed it. And I just want to let people know they can log on to emagazine.com if they want more information. Definitely you can get a free, uh, a free copy of the magazine, and you can order the book, too. Okay. Thank you so much, Jim, for coming on the program. Stay thank on the you, line. Patricia. Yeah, stay on the line for a minute. Next week, folks, we're going to be talking to John Pemberton and Stephen Levitt, patent attorneys of Stephen Levitt LLP. They'll discuss how to protect and profit from your ideas. Their new radio show, You Invent It, We Protect It, will debut on Voice America on September 8th, and you can log on to youinventit.com. Remember, this program is on Mondays, Positive Living, on Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice. Until next time, live positively. I'm Patricia Raskin. Have a great day. Listening to Positive Living with Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. For an autographed copy of Patricia's book, Pathfindings, Seven Principles for Positive Living, log on to RaskinResources.com. And tune in next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific for Positive Living, right here on VoiceAmerica.com.